RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all your supplementation needs. And don't forget that subscribers to the Rugby Renegade program get a 40% discount on retail prices. Yes, welcome back to episode 33 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. My name's Jamie Bain and today I interview Ryan Gibney, uh, head strength coach at Athlete Factory Chester and previously high performance manager with Georgia Rugby. Uh, Ryan gives us uh, tons of information uh, about his career and how he put things in place with George. That's really interesting. Uh, and just loads of information for SNC coaches and rugby players alike for how to improve performance. So give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hi Ryan, welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Great to have you on. Uh, why don't we start by you just telling our listeners a little bit about your, your background, uh, how you got into strength and conditioning and some of the sports and teams uh, you've worked with. Yeah, of course. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me on on this podcast. I do listen to it when I can, so it's it's, it's a big honour to be on it. Never thought I'd uh, see myself being on anything like this. So thank you for that. You're a little about myself. Uh, oh, where do we begin? Basically, probably like a lot of listeners, and maybe like yourself, I went down the route of doing playing sports. Obviously, first of all, love and sport, love and exercise. My path was somewhat different to some people, as in, from school, I went into the forces. In the forces is where, really, I kind of found my love for all things S&C, really. And I, I kind of learned that the hard way by getting injured. I basically had a career and an injury, forced into going into rehabilitation and things like that. And it pretty much blew my mind on how much people knew about the body and that I'd been overtraining for years, where I never knew there was such a thing. Because I was used to that school of thought of more is better, just do this. No counting of reps, no counting, no concept of recovery or nutrition, just, just cracking on. So I kind of got the bug then. And that's when I really started to investigate it further. And that's when I realized this is kind of what I wanted to do. So I went down the personal training route. And then I was always more drawn to sports performance as opposed to body composition and things like that but like a lot of people the only information out there was from bodybuilding and powerlifting and that type of stuff so from there strength and conditioning was a, was a new thing out so I went basically into university doing an S&C degree from the S&C degree done an internship which is where I began which was at Warrington Wolves in rugby league I made a few good connections at Warrington Wolves Found myself a mentor, which I'll, I'll touch on later more, a guy called Craig White, who's uh, very well known and respected in, in the industry. From there, Warrington Wolves, that was my first role. So my first role was rugby league, being from the northwest of England. That That's kind of <laughs> that's kind of the big sport up here, yeah. except for football. From there, I'd done some consultancy stuff, went into rugby sevens. From rugby sevens, after a few years more at Warrington Wolves, I moved into basically Georgia. I went to Georgia Rugby Union as the head of S&C, which was a good gig. Uh, from that role, done some more consultancy gigs. I went to places like Sri Lanka, done some more stuff with Sevens. But my main role then was 
I was the high performance manager basically. So the head of high performance for Georgia Rugby Union up until June this year. Cool. And that's that's pretty much me, mate. And I went round the houses to get to the point, but there, there you go. No, no. So obviously, tons of tons of experience, um, and like we tend to start by um, kind of going into your S and C philosophy, which difficult to answer in a you know in a nutshell. But what would you say your philosophy is? God, it's well, you know, I probably stole this quote from somebody else, but you know, one size fits nobody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so my philosophy, really, you know, it's it's more about longevity. It used to just be about getting that big and strong and basically getting on the pitch and and being physically dominating. Now it's more. I like to produce robust, physically dominating players. I like to think that's a kind of what I'm known for. Um. But a little bit of longevity. The older I've got, the more senior players I've worked with, especially in international rugby, I've kind of evolved more into really bespoken my programs and my training to basically get yeah everybody big, strong, and explosive. You know that's a given. But I'm more focused on getting that transfer to the pitch now. I hope that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And and what um what are your kind of approaches to make sure? Because, um, I mean, anyone can get people strong in the gym. How how do you get it to transfer onto the pitch? Yeah, well, what, what, well there's a few methods, really, I like to use. But my key thing, which I, I'm kind of really big on, uh, is basically combat conditioning, collision-based fitness. For me, that that is the bridge. That, that That is the bridge from the gym to the pitch. You know, it's all well and good creating these, you know, really gym-strong guys who can shift tons of weight in the gym throw tin everywhere but then you know the, the soft as anything on the pitch it, it's all about you know getting that strength into a usable form so I like things like that I like using a lot of sled work I like using sled work kind of for horizontal force so lads are pushing a lot of weight in the horizontal force as we do on the pitch yeah, and they, they're just my basic thing for the transition from gym to pitch would be mainly based around combat and collision based stuff yeah and I think that the the combat and collision stuff like talking like wrestling as well um, yeah. I know Craig White is, is big into you know using wrestling and it's yeah. it, it ties in the physical and the mental as well because it's it's a mental challenge in some of the you know the wrestling stuff you can do um, Massively, so de- definitely yeah. see how that that transfers onto the pitch um, yeah now when when we're talking about obviously spoke about getting getting players stronger and more powerful what what's kind of your go-to training methods for for getting a, an athlete stronger yeah. quickly yeah i've always been a, a disciple of west side really when it comes to that you know I, i'm all for if you want to know something then seek out somebody who's better than you are on it so you know there's no stronger place in the in the planet than west side yeah. so i do like a, a west side approach yeah but to to Get to the nuts and bolts of it, technique-wise. Do you mean what kind of things do I like to use? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm really big on clusters. I like clusters for strength. I also like them for hypertrophy. Yeah. You know, I am very conjugated in my approach to you know program design, but when when my approach to West Side isn't kind of true West Side, my exit, my max effort, I like to go slightly sub-maximal. I don't really feel the need to go beyond ninety percent with most players. Just because the, the risk reward for me just yeah. doesn't make sense. 
you know, I know there's a lot of research out there stating submaximal stuff can, can get you great benefits, but, you know, I, I don't pretend to be a scientist. You know, like most SNC coaches, I've got an SNC underpin, uh, uh, science underpinning, but, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not a researcher, but for me and my own research and my own experience, I think 85 to 95 is the sweet spot for strength. Yeah, and um, in terms of, um, like like you said about Westside, it's, I, I like what you, you're saying, that you could go and learn from people who are experts in strength, but then what you've done is applied it to, to your environment with your players, and, and that's what works for you, and, and, and that's what it's all about, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, of course. So, talk talked about strength and power and, and transferring it to the pitch like what um what about conditioning um what what are, what are your favorite like tools or or even sessions you've done that are you know tough for rugby yeah. conditioning <laughs> i've got a you know anyone who's work with me can probably tell you more than i can <laughs> but yeah I've, uh, I, again coming from the stuff that i learned from craig and i've done a lot of work with craig white on, on the combat stuff we we put a, a few workshops together and things yeah. but i'm really big on the combat collision based stuff yeah you know for me collision you know it, it's the king of fatigue that that is where most of the fatigue in the sport comes you know from my point of view from what i from my side of the world, if you like, I think that the running bit isn't where the collision comes from. So, sorry, isn't where the fatigue comes from. I think yeah. the fatigue is coming from the collisions, be it with a floor, be it with a person, you know, just the nature of the sport itself. Uh, I, I think it comes from collisions. So it will be combat stuff. I've integrated this in weight sessions with great success. So as opposed to a conventional kind of contrast, you'll go from a max effort lift the likes of a heavy prowler or a tire flip you might go from a push to a pull so it could be a floor press into a kind of grapple you know you could be pulling a sled or an odd object and then going to a press or a jump whatever works for you whatever works for your guys whatever gets them moving so then the polar opposite will be on the pitch and it'll be similar to repeated high intensity efforts we'll be doing small blocks We'll be going in, it may start on a wrestle, there may be a few down and ups, into some kind of collision, up again, change over, keep it going. Right down to simple efforts as just bag hits and flips, hitting a bag, getting to your feet, getting back down. Just getting really efficient in them chaotic environments to, to meet, basically much meet what the chaotic nature of the game. Yeah, no, I like what you're saying about the, the chaotic environment, that's, like I say, you, you can't get that just from a you know, pre-programmed running session or, you know, even no, conditioning sessions. I, I think a lot of the time we're, we're focused too much on kind of work-rest ratio, work ratios. Yeah. But the game in itself is chaotic, so having fixed kind of linear work-rest isn't always the best approach, in my opinion. I think it's good to vary it up, as long as the quality's there, and quality being the key word for me. If we're getting quality efforts, then keep it going. Once the quality breaks down, stop it. Yeah. And play around, play around with your athletes. You know, yeah. find your sweet spot. Yeah, you're right. You don't. You shouldn't be. I mean, work to rest ratios are great for a guide, but you shouldn't be kind of stuck to them. You stick rigidly to them. Like you've yeah. got to, you've got to see. Like what we want to do is get them producing quality efforts and then yeah. increase the amount. So sometimes you're gonna you're gonna have to put rest in. Otherwise, it's you're just gonna be yeah, enfor enforcing bad technique and yeah, and just get into a slog. Um, it's getting that key of that repetition and quality, I think, for me. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I guess big big point there would be be, be adaptable and, and and increase the amount of quality you can produce. Yeah, 
Yeah, very much so. But, you know, let it be chaotic. It doesn't have to stick to the norm. Look at the demands of the sport. Look at the demands of your player yeah. and each individual position. And, you know, have a play with it. Don't be scared to experiment. Yeah, definitely. Now, uh, this is this is something I've, I've wanted to ask on the podcast for a bit. It's it's kind of a bit of a debate that comes out every now and then. And you often hear <laughs> Austin Healy on BT Sport talking about, um, you know, people doing too much weights and not enough skill work. And yeah, um, it, that's obviously quite difficult for us to hear as, as strength coaches. <laughs> but, you know, do you think um, uh, Northern Hemisphere, I mean, sometimes they say that it's worse in the Northern, Hem- uh, Northern Hemisphere. Do you think it's worse... Uh, uh, in the Northern Hemisphere and that players do too much gym work compared to, to skill work? Uh, very good question. Uh, but I think, again, I, no, I don't think we do. I think what what it is, is I think we have a completely different approach in the Northern Hemisphere to the Southern Hemisphere. I think in the Northern Hemisphere, there's still a big focus on getting people as big and as strong as possible. Yeah. Whereas in the Southern Hemisphere, they're more about kind of I wouldn't say relative strength, it's the wrong word, but what they're, what from what I've seen, my perception is they focus on basically purely transferability to the pitch and performance. They seem to be doing a lot more stuff round kind of working at different joint angles, producing different force there, and it's more about power, I see it. It's more about kind of the more working on the opposite end of the curve to us, the, the more down on the force velocity curve, working more in the region of everything's got a function, everything's directed towards speed and pace of the game. Yeah. And if you look how they play and how they condition, everything's about that quick pace of the game and repeatability. Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I, th- I think you're right. I think it's it's a bit of a cop out sometimes from rugby coaches maybe that we're doing too much, uh, too much yeah. gym sort of work. I think I think our focus is is to tie in with what the rugby coaches are doing and. And maybe it's just, I mean, everyone looks at the All Blacks, don't they, and the, the skill level yeah. they've got, you know, I, I don't think that's just because they're not doing as much weights as us, you know, when they get into that, that international no, setup. I think I think it's a cultural it. thing and it's come from, you know, rugby being their number one sport in New Zealand and, and having good, good opportunities to play at young ages. Um, Massively. And I think the problem, I know it's a lot less than it used to be, but the likes of in the Northern Hemisphere, especially in the UK a few years back, we were terrible for early specialisation. Yeah. You know, putting putting tags on people when, when they're 12 and 13 years old, you're, you're a prop. <laughs> and yeah. missing that massive part of playing the sport. But yeah, I'm not going down that road. That's a whole other debate <laughs> altogether. But, but I think that's a big part of the Southern Hemisphere success as well. They, they play a lot of games. Nobody's got a position. Everybody's got a massive skill base. And then they build on top of that. No, I, I agree. I think... I mean, you look at, um, it's obviously very anecdotal, but you look at some players or some of the elite players that come through and, and they don't end up in their position they played um, as a kid. Yeah. Often they're in that, you know, 8, 9, 10 sort of position as a kid because they just get so many more touches of the ball, so, you know, so many more opportunities to, you know, develop decision-making and skills and things like that. And then kind of as they develop physically, that kind of pushes them into more of a, a positional bracket. But they've got that awesome skill set and that's what kind of sets them out above, you know, above the rest. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And yeah. everything they do looks like they're still having fun and playing games, doesn't it? They're yeah. so relaxed and composed. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> you see like a, na- a natural athlete because they've, they've had yeah. so much exposure to it. Yeah, so, um, uh, well, you might have, might have touched on it, I don't know, but this is a question we ask all the all the guests on the podcast and you'll know you'll have heard it. It's, um, what's the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning? Oh, 
basically trying to do things too soon, basically trying to focusing on the wrong things, basically, because like I said a bit earlier, people get in a gym, they're getting told by a club, you're too small, you need to gain size, you're not strong enough, you know, you're not big enough, you're not fast enough. So they take the wrong approach, they'll focus on more of a bodybuilder model and try and just get as big, as bulky as they can, which, you know, we all know has its place, but it doesn't directly transfer to the sport. And I think for me, that that's the big one, focusing on, on the wrong stuff too soon. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, they get the old shiny object syndrome, and they chasing shiny objects, and yeah. want to find it, and not not getting those fundamental basics down. Um, That's yeah. Which Just I guess jump, yeah, jumping the gun on a few things, and you know, go going straight for the sexy exercises and ignoring the the big and boring ones. <laughs> yeah, and and you'll you'll know. I'm sure, like even at the highest level, you get players kind of doing that, and and even there, it's still you know, mastering the, you know, the basics and getting the fundamentals right, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now, tell us a bit about your time uh, with Georgia. Um, obviously, you know, working internationally must be, you know, a real good experience. What, what was that like? Yeah, yeah well, it, it's changed a lot over the years. Well, when I first went to Georgia in 2012, uh, SNC was, it was quite a, a new thing, you know, I know that seems like a crazy statement, but they didn't really have a lot of SNC structure in place. It, it was just beginning. It was still the whole players were fearful over squatting. They thought it was going to give them a bad back and things like that. They didn't like lifting too much weight because the the culture of SNC in Georgia back then was they had no SNC. It was all stuff passed down from rugby coaches. Yeah, you know, and then. That's kind of a big part of what World Rugby were doing at the time. And they sent like my mentor Craig White over there. We started putting practice in place, upskilled some local coaches, a guy called Tico Arachli, who's still is the head S and C there now, he's a great guy. He was the first S and C coach over there. But again, he only had limited information and limited skills at that point. And there was nowhere really to go and get it. So Give World Rugby credit, they invested some money, they, they got coaches going over, they got upskilled, and they brought myself over to basically head up the programme and put some systems in place. So a big part when I first went there initially was, was just installing systems. It was creating an academy, it was creating a pathway, and then creating a long-term athletic development model. So there was a progression for the up-and-coming players to go through. Yeah. And then the secondary focus was the national squad, which I know sounds bizarre, <laughs> but, but that's the approach we, we originally took. Uh, and then as a product of that, the, the guys are, are, are natural specimens, as, as you've probably seen. A lot of them are playing high-level rugby at top 14. Yeah. Uh, and then, so a lot of the case with those guys then was trying to change their belief system. Because these guys are, are playing in top clubs in France, never really done any S&C per se. And now you've turned up trying to tell them, well, hang on a minute, I want you to load that bar up and start lifting. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it was, a, it, it was a challenge, but it was a good challenge. And, you know, the, the, it was really acceptable to it. Everyone gave it a chance. And, you know, we've come on leaps and bounds since then. Moving yeah. forward from that, sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, look, the results recently as, as well, you know, they've been doing really 
really well, putting some good performances in. But it, it's also I'm quite surprised that uh, I don't know. I just I pictured a you know a big group of Georgians all in the gym squatting crazy weights before because like you say yeah. that they, they are specimens. So it's quite yeah. a frightening thought that they've now got a good you know a good model in place. And I'm yeah. sure the future will be will be bright for them. But sorry, carry on. I know I interrupted you. Yeah, no, I had the same thought to myself. I got there. I thought, you know, former Soviet country. Everyone will be Olympic lifting there, yeah. everything, throwing weight <laughs> everywhere. And it was the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm gone a minute. But yeah, but you know, the boys really respond well to training. And and, and like you said, that the image you've got in your mind now is what it's like now. Yeah. You know, that, there's, you know, I wouldn't even like to. Uh, some some of the, the guys over there are untapped. You know, they can pretty much lift and move anything you can put in front of them. It's quite scary, yeah. and that's just the backs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, but, I can see them progressing. You know, the next few years, definitely. Definitely. Uh, moving forward from that, me me later role. You know, a lot of CPD took place. You know, a lot of the SNC coaches grew. More and more of them have stu- studied and done degrees with, you know, in SNC. A few of the lads have done master's degrees. We've sent them all over the globe. Like, Tico was at Bath last year during the pre-season, spent a few weeks with Alan Ryan there, oh, cool. which I know he learned a lot from. And he spent a bit of time in, in Ireland when we were playing in Ireland. And, you know, everywhere we've been internationally, we've tried to hook up with some of the local SNC coaches and upskill and get some CPD. Yeah, so he's come on leaps and bounds. Now he's running the place, you know, easy enough on his own. Moving forward to my later role as a high performance manager, we got some interns in. We've got we had some great interns last year uh, for some sports science. We, you know, we started using GP, uh, GPS, and we got a sports scientist in. Uh, we also got a great SNC coach in. I call Jed McNamara, who's who's working full time there now. He's a really good coach and a really great lad. He's got a great future ahead of him. Again, bringing different types of aspects to it. You know, Jed has his ideas. I have mine. Tico's got his. We got Calvin Morrison for the World Cup. Who, who oh, okay, yeah. So Calvin brought more stuff to the picture again. More CPD, and that's basically where it's grew. Yeah. And my last role was basically managing all of that and kind of just helping the program develop itself from the inside out rather than us foreigners and myself coming in and kind of dictating it was more about giving the power and the education to the Georgians and letting the Georgians create their own system and I think that they're doing it very successfully and they've done a great job yeah that sounds, that sounds really good and well we're talking about that we're talking about um, and we already touched on uh, you mentoring with um with craig white and you've talked yep. about you bringing um bringing your your snc's beneath you at georgia through and cpd and, and interns and stuff so we often ask this to our guests as well is what advice would you give to upcoming strength coaches the number one thing which basically uh, i found has been the most powerful thing in my career is find a mentor or find a few mentors you know don't sit in silence and think getting all the book smarts is, is going to be enough. It's just the beginning. You need to build a network. And the best way I find to build a network is find yourself a mentor who's been there and done it, you know, or, or who's still actively doing it, who can give you some real-world advice. You know, Don't ignore the book smarts. You still need to underpin everything and understand why you're doing it and how to do it. But just get yourself out there. Go and spend some time in a, 
you know, in a club, go and volunteer, get your hands dirty, go, just go and learn how it works. But, you know, my investment with Craig all those years ago was, it, you know, it's it paid back a million times over. Yeah. You know, it, it really has. It, it, was the, it was the best move I ever did. And I know that's what he's, he's focusing on now. He's even coaching. He's actually mentoring actual rugby coaches now in high performance, not just S&C. Yeah. And, you know, I recommend anyone to do that or find somebody in your part of the world who's similar. But, but for me, that's been the single most powerful thing I've done was basically have someone to keep me on track and make me accountable and, and kind of guide me. Yeah. You know, you're always going to make your own decisions for the better or the worse, but it, it's nice to have somebody to turn to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And now we, we touched on book smart, so I'm a bit of a bookworm, so I always ask, are there any books, <laughs> books you'd recommend? Uh, for me, there's a couple. There's one I'm, I haven't finished yet, but from what I've started reading, it is absolutely a brilliant book, and it's Game Changer by Fergus Connolly. Oh, yeah, yeah I've that, seen that come out, yeah. It, that's looking at things from a completely different perspective, but for me it makes sense because I am all about kind of looking at the mental aspect of the game, of the game and mental recovery and not just the physical aspect anymore. I'm looking at a, you know, a more holistic approach. Yeah. So that's a great book. Uh, for speed, I still love Charlie Francis, Charlie Francis training system, just yeah. to explain the basic high-low system. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for strength, I like Jim Wendler's 531, just because of its pure simplicity. Westside Booker Methods, and a, just a random great book, which I enjoy, is Legacy by James Kerr, the book about the All Blacks. Oh, yeah. And, and basically, the, the, it's more about the culture they've created rather than the All Blacks. And I think it's a great book for anyone to read. Yeah, definitely. No, some great recommendations there, so thanks, thanks for that. And now, um, your your latest kind of venture uh, all looks uh, very exciting. We are talking about before you've you've uh, almost broken yeah. your back carrying all the equipment in and getting everything <laughs> set up. So tell us about Athlete Factory. Yeah, my latest venture, which I'm really excited about, it's called Athlete Factory. It's a, it, well, it's not just a facility. It's a facility along with a training app, um, a network of, you know, elite coaches. And basically what it is, it's, I'm one of the head coaches there myself. It's a brainchild of Phil Greenan, former British Lion and England Wasp player. We've got a facility in Chester, actually built on Chester Rugby Club, so we do have access to pitches. Oh, cool. Um, basically, a lot of the things we covered before is what we're trying to do. We're trying to basically bring elite-level training to, to the masses, if you want, to the public. It's a you know semi-private facility. We have a training app, so you can do your program away from us. We've even had part in manufacturing the equipment, so we can even tailor the equipment to your needs and stuff like that which is great so anyone in the area come and visit us and see some of our toys but basically it's a, it's a bespoke high performance facility where we just want to get rid of all this you know people getting trained incorrectly getting stuff off personal trainers which isn't related to their sports performance it's about creating a long-term athletic development in people it's about screening yet and profiling your strength and your power and giving you the correct training program and giving you some coaching and creating that you know that high performance environment that you get in a club but being able to give that to anyone because yeah. from our feedback and our experience working with a lot of grassroots clubs as well in our time like I, I touched on earlier so many you know talented athletes are getting told you you're not big enough and getting dropped from academies you're not strong enough you know and you know 
they're too young. They haven't been trained. They haven't had a chance yet, you know, to evolve. Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to bridge that gap and, and use all the techniques from our experience along with workshops to basically give them the tools rather than just, um, you know, get told, go away, you can't be in the academy, you've lost your slot. <laughs> you know, we, we want to be able to bridge that gap and give people, a, you know, the chance and opportunities they deserve. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. Like, is it definitely, you see more of the general population wanting to train, train that way and and appreciate the the benefits of working with a, a proper strength and conditioning coach, um, and like I say, help, helping out those kids who perhaps fallen through the through the cracks with academies and things like that, and and it, it doesn't necessarily mean the end for them. So that sounds sounds awesome. So keep us keep us posted with that. And um, yep. lastly, Ryan, where can people learn more about yourself and obviously Athlete Factory? Yeah, you can you can learn more about myself from LinkedIn, and that's just be my name, Ryan Gidney. You can find me on the Athlete Factory, which is www.theathletefactory.global, where you can find all about everything we're doing, updates on the site. We will actually be opening on the 1st of December. Oh, cool. Anyone in the area, feel free to come down and have a look. It's an open invitation. You know, just, just come and have a look, see what you think. Give us some feedback. We're always open for feedback. And, and that's it, really. Oh, awesome. Now we'll, we'll of course share share all those links on the show notes. Um, but Ryan, thank you very much for for taking the time to talk to us. Uh, much appreciate appreciated, and all the best with uh, Athlete Factory and everything in the future. Oh, thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. You're welcome. Cheers, Ryan. Cheers, Jamie. Thanks, mate. Bye. Great stuff. So uh, really interesting to hear about uh, Ryan's work with Georgia, um, and how you know despite them looking like freaks that some of them weren't actually gym bunnies but he's obviously made some really good improvements there and they're getting good performances so really interesting to hear thank you ryan and all the best with athlete athletes factory in chester uh, everyone should check out their website i've, I've visited the gym it's uh, awesome facility so if you're in the chester area go and check that out definitely worth a look um in the meantime keep checking us out at rugbyrenegade.com on uh, social media uh, and youtube and of course please uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review on itunes or soundcloud stitcher tune in whatever podcast you use and stay tuned because there will be more podcasts on the way thanks for listening thanks for listening to the rugby renegade podcast for more quality rugby strength and conditioning information check us out at rugbyrenegade.com rugby renegade building machines